With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I groggily drove my truck through downtown Raleigh to attend yet another group therapy session. Alcohol practically flowed through my veins from the night before, and the coffee I brewed was not nearly strong enough to counteract the hangover which ravaged my body. I quit smoking for the fourth time, after my first session. I noticed the slight tremor in my right hand, a constant sign of my PTSD. The thought of a long drag sounded like a good way to calm my nerves. I knew Dr. Meridiana would frown if I came in with a scent of smoke on me, so I refrained with great effort. I squeezed the wheel until the tremor ceased and focused my mind on the road. I parked as far away from the other vehicles as I possibly could in front of the nondescript office building and stole a glance at the dreary, overcast sky. The weather appeared to threaten rain, and I had neither an umbrella nor coat. Typical spring weather in the south, and as usual, I was not prepared. I had just started to think about how nice it would be to fall asleep to the sound of rain when an explosion rocked me back from my daydream. I dropped to my knees and covered my head with my hands instinctively. Nothing happened. I slowly recovered and saw the battered clunker car screech to a halt at the nearby stoplight. It backfired again through the three-inch tailpipe and coughed black smoke across the intersection. I swore under my breath, and I felt the tremor in my hand again. I started down towards the ground and took a deep breath. That was embarrassing, I thought. I placed my phone on silent, opened the door, and walked in. Good afternoon, everyone. I see some new faces today which always makes me happy. For those of you who are here for the first time, I am Dr. Lily Meridiana. Some of you are here on remand. Some of you are court-ordered. That's perfectly fine, so long as you make it. Ah, Mr. Oakley. Better late than not at all. Come, sit next to me. Dr. Meridiana appeared as flawless as ever. The twenty-something woman of Arabic origin stood only five feet, one inch tall. She flashed a smile of pearlescent teeth, framed by full, pink lips. Long black hair, like fine silk, cascaded down her shoulders, nearly to her butt. She wore a light, pink button-down shirt and navy skirts today. Her full breasts were practically spilling out of her matching pink push-up bra, which was visible through the shirt. Her muscular legs shined in the incandescent industrial lights. Baby oil, I thought to myself. Nice touch. The clatter of her explosive heels on the tiled floor was hypnotic. She strutted like a runway model across the room with such grace and speed. But all the objectification of her physique was lost when she approached me with a chair 
It was her eyes, you see. For one, they had caught me as I ogled her. Secondly, they were a most unusual green. Not a hazel or pale green, but like that of an emerald. They seemed to sparkle in the light like gems. She cut through me with those eyes. If it were possible for a gaze to dig into your mind, she could do it. Here you go, Mr. Oakley, she said as she whirled the metal fold-out chair around for me to sit in. That is where the enjoyment ceased. The next hour stretched onward for an eternity. Each person introduced themselves by name, a branch of service, and reason for being in therapy. Eight newbies in all. I didn't bother to remember their names. Half of them wouldn't return for a second session. It's just the way it was. I desperately wanted to check my social media as a newbie droned on about how uh, something I did not care to listen to. So stressful, so hard, I grumbled in my own mind. I caught myself realizing my attitude was probably why so many people didn't come to therapy. Great, now I'm part of the problem. That's when I heard the newbie say, Fallujah. She wrapped up her story, and the group nodded and clapped. The clapping faded away. High-pitched ringing in my ears dulled the sounds to nothing. My leg involuntarily bounced up and down. My right hand shook. My breathing shortened. Oh no. Not here. Not again. I gritted my teeth as sand flew in my face. Somewhere behind me, a handheld radio crackled out a warning. Suffocating heat beat down on me from overhead. An A-10 thunderbolt roared overhead and unleashed a volley of air-to-surface missiles on the Tariq Al-Hazir Hotel in front of me. Downtown Fallujah, or what remained of it, was burning. The ordnance pulverizing the load-bearing structures of the building, the 18th through 22nd floors released a torrent of flames. We were only 100 meters from the former hotel and pinned down from an ambush. RPGs had damaged half of our vehicles. Two Abrams tanks were disabled further up the street. Their treads damaged beyond functionality. We produced covering fire as the crews evacuated the hulking war machines, now reduced to 72-ton roadblocks. The bottleneck forced my men down a narrow alleyway near the bazaar on foot. We were under heavy mounted machine gun fire. The Soviet-era weapons were antiques, but no less deadly. The staccato of atomic gunfire rippled across the street, and two of my marines dropped to the ground. We used a flaming Humvee for cover to try and make a stand and hold out for another pass from air support. The black smoke of burning oil provided some concealment. The hotel rumbled and collapsed on itself. A gray cloud of smoke and ash rushed at us at blinding speed. Blood splattered across my face and helmet as a massive pile of debris shattered the man's head to my left. I flinched as he fell against me, and gore tumbled out onto my chest. I pushed him off, and we ran through the open market as rounds tore through awnings and shops. 
seven of my men were dead in less than five minutes. Mr. Oakley, Mr. Oakley, it's okay. You're fine. Just take a deep breath. Go in, hold, and out. I opened my eyes slowly. Sweat was heavy on my brow. Dr. Meridiana leaned over me, with a hand on my chest near my heart. I caught sight of her ample breasts just a foot from my face and stole a glance. Okay, maybe two. She turned her head to the side and pursed her lips as if to say, Naughty boy, but smiled down at me. Do you feel better, Mr. Oakley? Let's get you some water. I did. I felt infinitely better, if extremely tired. The memory of that horrible day faded so quickly I could hardly believe it. A few hands clapped my shoulders and congratulated me on sharing. What did I just do? Fourteen sessions. You finally opened to us. I'm proud of you, Mr. Oakley. A smattering of comments from around the circle. Great job, Michael. Yeah, I'm glad you finally got something off your chest, bro. That sounded crazy. Bewildered, I excused myself and chugged the water. Walking into the restroom, I splashed cold water onto my face and stared at my haggard visage in the glass. My dark circles looked a little better. I stood straighter. It was like a weight was lifted from my shoulders, but I felt exhausted. What all did I share, though? I could barely remember what happened now, much less what I said out loud. I must have been in there a while. When I exited, nearly everyone was gone, except Dr. Meridiana. We assisted her in putting chairs away. I said good afternoon and spoke with a fellow marine on the way out of the building. The clouds had broken up, and the sun shined down upon me. It was a new day. I reached for my keys and realized there wasn't a tremor in my right hand. I heard the click of high heels on asphalt approach from the direction of the building. Mr. Oakley, that was, well... That was truly something. Dr. Meridiana spoke enthusiastically. She was somehow even more beautiful in the sunlight. I noticed small traces of red in her black hair. I think we should not lose this momentum. It took you three sessions just to tell other people your name, and fourteen sessions to share. How about a follow-up at my office? Day after tomorrow? Her broad smile caused her cheeks to rise near her eyes. For some reason, I had the feeling she was looking at me like a meal. I nodded, and she wrote a date and time on a business card before handing it over to me. Friday it is. There's six o'clock work for you. You'll be my last session of the week. That night... I had a hearty dinner of steak and vegetables. I consumed no liquor. My first night without doing so in eight months. I craved no cigarettes. My dream, however, was not so tame. 
Dr. Meridiana invited herself in with a bottle of wine. She didn't seem to mind my terrible apartment in the least. She pushed me down on my bed and ripped my shirt off. Her long, manicured nails scratching my chest and drawing a droplet of blood. The doctor climbed on top of me and eyed me up and down like a piece of meat. We engaged in passionate lovemaking for hours. She was insatiable and voracious. I could still feel her skin against mine when I woke up. I didn't know how long I slept for, but the sun was already up when I finally opened my eyes. The day passed mostly uneventfully. Much of the time was spent inside my own head. I was having trouble with putting memories in proper order. Hell, I couldn't remember some things at all. At 7.30 in the evening, Dr. Meridiana called me. So sorry to bother you this late, Mr. Oakley. Did you forget about our session? Uh, No, I didn't forget. We made the appointment for Friday. Today is Friday, Mr. Oakley. She said, coolly. My words caught in my throat. How did I lose Thursday? Did I sleep through to Friday? Oh, I, I'm so sorry, Doctor. I, I don't know what happened. I, I have no excuse. Do you still live near Atlantic Avenue, Mr. Oakley? She knew where I lived. My confusion died as I realized she probably looked at my insurance information to get in touch with me when I did not show. My office is in North Hills, Bank of America building. It should only take you a few minutes to get here. I will stay, just for you. Ciao. A cute giggle, and she hung up. The words lingered in my mind. Just for you. Did my therapist flirt with me? Was it the way she said it? It was almost seductive. My mind went back to the dream as I left my place. I threw on a shirt that didn't stink from the dirty clothes pile and grabbed my keys. Even with the downpour outside, I was parked in the building's garage in only seven minutes and in the elevator, rising to the 18th floor, in 11 The metallic doors slid open, and I made my way down the long, glass-lined hall. I checked the nameplates on the doors until I reached the sign for her office. Eden Falls Therapy, Dr. Lily Meridiana. I raised a hand to knock, but the door swung open. My hand passed the plane where the door should have been, and I wrapped my knuckles against the shoulder of my diminutive therapist. She wore a white dress with a plunging neckline. A long silver necklace hung between her breasts. It bore a talisman of the Egyptian cross, known as an Ankh, or Key of Life. A small white belt cinched the sheer cloth around the waist, snug and secure. Oh, uh, my apologies. The door, uh, you, you just... No problem, Mr. Oakley. Please... Come in. She waved my apology off dismissively and walked inside, beckoning me to follow. I could easily make out the line of her thong under the dress. 
I stepped inside and instantly felt transported to another time. It wasn't what I expected at all. Instead of a reception area, a waiting room, and poorly lit little rooms with couches, the place was one large office. The normal, mundane decor was completely absent. There was no beige carpets and clinical alabaster walls. Sandstone tiles lined the floor. Ancient art decorated the two walls closest to the door. The other two were glass, from floor to ceiling, and offered a breathtaking view of North Hills. I spotted a fresco from Rome, and even a section of stone with Egyptian hieroglyphics neatly situated in a corner. A shelf was littered with artifacts from ancient civilizations of all manner. An oversized oak desk was in the front corner of the office, with a massive leather couch to its left. Behind the desk, a four-foot painting in a classical style hung on the wall. It depicted a beautiful female angel, completely nude, with a hand placed on the chest of a naked man as he slept. The scene was lit by firelight, the woman's shadow cast on the wall with a twisted and demonic variance of the female form, complete with bat wings and a pointed tail. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Do you like it? It's a Rubens, painted after his first wife died, sometime between 1626 and 1628, I believe. Have a seat, Mr. Oakley. Anywhere you like. I sank deep into the red leather Chesterfield sofa. Rain began to pelt the windows as a mighty storm enveloped North Hills and sent shoppers fleeing for the sanctuary of shops and restaurants. She dimmed the lights in the entrance office, save a small Tiffany lamp on her desk. It emanated a warm glow from within, and I found it somehow relaxing. She grabbed a tablet and stylus and walked over. Like a cat, she slid against the cool leather beside me and crossed her legs. The dress hiked up several inches. I did my best not to look down. Mr. Oakley, what you did in group was difficult, but a necessary first step. Let's see what we can get done for you today. While I enjoy the juicy little buffet of group therapy for what it is, I find the intimacy of private sessions to be the most fulfilling. You have a special mind, and I think you have a lot in there, just aching to get out. Where would you like to begin? She locked eyes with me. Those perfect almond-shaped emeralds just bore right into my head. I, I, I don't know where to start. She cocked her head to one side, looking down at her tablet, and gently nibbled on the end of the stylus for a moment. You are a particularly troubled man, Mr. Oakley. Reoccurring trauma for decades. Four deployments to Iraq. Three Purple Hearts. Navy Cross. He dropped out of university after three semesters. Such a shame. But you have managed three WI charges. She scrolled down as my mouth hung open in shock. Your mother's suicide when you were eleven. Oh, that one hit you rather hard. She was your world. 
Perhaps when your father forced you to put down Max, that fantastic little beagle you owned. He was very abusive to you, your mother, and that poor puppy, was he not? Do you think you inherited your alcoholic tendencies from him? There's just so many things we could talk about. All of them succulent. She returned her gaze to me and leaned in close. She leaned close and placed a hand on my left thigh. I was utterly paralyzed. Her sexual overture was barely noticed. I hadn't told her any of that. I hadn't told a soul about Max since I was thirteen. My mother. How did she even know about my mother? I lied about every question on the group therapy survey, except my name, date of birth, and service branch. She knew these things. These intimate things about my life. The worst things about my life. But how? My stomach writhed in knots. Bile rose into my throat. The tremor returns to my right hand, and I had no control over it. A clap of thunder rattled the glass case for a manuscript near her desk. The single, soft, warm glow of the desk light in the office flickered momentarily. For the half-second the lights were out, the doctor's eyes glowed like a nocturnal animal. I tried to stand, but she gripped both my legs. Despite her small stature, she held me in place with ease. Mr. Oakley, she cooed as she dug her nails in hard enough to break the skin through my jeans. There's nothing to be afraid of. Perhaps I came on a bit too strong. I only want to get to know you better. I tried to recoil from her, but she held on tight. I slowly felt my strength leave me. Her eyes, her gaze, was paralyzing. What? What do you want? You are quite a physical specimen, Mr. Oakley. I think I can help you. We can certainly help each other. Help me? Help me how? Tell me about the Battle of Fallujah again, Mr. Oakley. Just as you did in group therapy. She leaned back against the seat and licked blood from her black painted fingernails. I opened my mouth to speak, but I couldn't find the words. No, that wasn't it. I couldn't find the memory. I knew I was there. I lived it. But I couldn't see myself there any longer. I couldn't hear my Lance Corporal's screams as he burned alive. I couldn't see the faces of my men, my friends. It was all just gone. No triggers. No, nothing. I enjoyed that one, Mr. Oakley. Positively sublime. Your agony over the loss of your compatriots was delicious. I find the more you care about someone, the sweeter the memory tastes. She extended her tongue and ran the tip around her own lips. What the hell did you say? Delicious. My blood boiled. 
This whole thing felt like a violation. A violation of my mind. A violation I couldn't even explain. The tremor in my hand was fully present and completely uncontrollable. Did she just suck the memory out of my head? Mr. Oakley, don't you feel better? Why do you insist on calling me that? Why can't you say my name? I stood and towered over her by a foot. My words echoed off the walls. Her eyes lit like fire, and she roared at me with a ferocity that caused me to feel much smaller than I could have possibly imagined. Your pain seeps through your pores like honey to me, Michael. Even if your name tastes like ash on my lips, your mind is a feast for me. I could dine on the horrors rattling around in your disturbed mind for decades. Because of that, I will let your indignant behavior slide this one time. Now sit. Don't raise your voice to me again. You're being rude. What? Are you some kind of witch? Or a demon? My voice was a full octave higher than normal. I scrambled backward into her wall of displayed trinkets and picked up an antique sword from its stand. The weight of the cold steel steadied my hand and my breathing became more controlled. I leveled the blade directly at her torso. She chuckled at me and walked forward until the tip pressed against her left breast. She extended her left arm from her side. The nails elongated from her fingers. Small droplets of blood dribbled to the floor. The skin split open to reveal hooked talons six inches long each. She spoke to me like a parent would chastise an insolent child. It was condescending and demanding. Oh, Michael, please put that down. It belongs to Arpharazon of Numenor. It's six thousand years old. Very expensive. Jesus, what are you? I'm, I'm sorry. I existed long before your Nazarene. I have been called many things over the years. Harpy, Devil, Succubus, Nosferatu, Siren. Her nostrils flared like an animal when she spoke. The talons retracted back into place. Her fingers appeared perfectly normal again. I realized I was outmatched. Slowly... I lowered the sword to my side. She closed the distance and gripped it in her bare hand, but it caused no injury. The sword gently slid from my grasp into her hands. Dr. Meridiana replaced it on the shelf with special care and polished a fingerprint from it. So, you are a demon? My voice trembled. It was hard to keep focus. Demons want your soul. I don't care about your soul or your sins or any of your lustful desires for my body. Though, some of your dreams are rather arousing. I'm flattered you imagine me to be that flexible. 
I wouldn't mind to attempt at it, though. Anything for you. She groaned ever so softly as she spoke. Her seductive tone was intoxicating. Oh, God, I said as I dropped to the floor. I felt like I was about to vomit. She was in my head. She had been in my head for months, probing my thoughts. My worst traumas and my darkest desires. She knew it all. She was baiting me, like a deer to a salt lick. She was an apex predator, and I was cornered prey. Now, now, Mr. Oakley, don't be dramatic. What do you want with my memories? To unburden you of them. She said it so sweetly, almost romantically. Why don't you just take the ones you want? I can feel you in my head. You've seen them. Just take them. If I were to rip them out of your head by force, the mental trauma would certainly kill you. I could do that. But if you offer them freely, it only drains you. But don't you worry. I will always let you recover. It's like picking low-hanging fruits versus tearing the tree down, Mr. Oakley. She lifted me from the floor and guided me back to the couch. I felt like I was no longer in control of my own body. I could feel myself sit down and lean back. I could see Dr. Meridiana as she straddled me and ground her hips into my groin. She draped her arms around my neck. Her floral perfume drifted to my nostrils. She licked from the nape of my neck up to my jawline and moaned softly. I felt her hot breath on me as she whispered to me. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me about the first time your father beat you. Pretty please. It was well past midnight when she finally released me. I drove home in silence, entered my apartment, and sat on my bed. I stared at the floor until the first rays of dawn broke my trance. I looked out the window at the rising sun and pulled the blackout curtains shut. I slept for three days. When I finally stirred, I realized I had slept better than I had in twenty-five years. It was gone. All my pain from those memories were gone. I felt better. Half the food in the kitchen was spoiled, so I settled for a bowl of cereal. After some thought, I picked up my phone and scrolled through the hundreds of missed notifications. The time showed 2.38 p.m. I looked around my bedroom until I found the pants I had worn the Wednesday prior. The crumpled business card was still in the front pocket. My eyes strained to see the numbers, but eventually I pushed all nine. I pressed dial and waited. One ring, then two. The line picked up. Eden Falls, Dr. Lily Meridiana speaking. Hello, Doctor. It's me, Michael Oakley. 
I'd like to make an appointment to talk about my mother. Oh, Michael. So good to hear from you. She sounded pleasantly surprised. There was a muffled crunch in the background. Is this a bad time? For you, my dear. Not at all. She cooed softly. I could hear the sheer arousal in her voice. It caused my groin to stir. I'm just having a bite to eat. Let me clear my schedule this evening. I will be waiting. 